Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio, South Asian show. My name's Gerns. I'm here with Halima. Hey, guys. I hope that Mike didn't pick up the bad boy yawn I just did. I'm so glad that I'm so interesting to you. I'm so glad that I'm so entertaining. So riveting. It's not you. It's not even you, Carla. So, guys, like, we've we've really had to, like, refrain ourselves from yeah. complaining yet again. So I won't go into it, but let's just say I'm very tired and I'm very fed up of this weather. I did just come back from holiday literally the day before yesterday. I come, I came back in the night time. You missed the worst of it though. Like I swear it was colder when you it were It was away. snowing. I missed yeah. all the snow. I left the day that it started to snow. Thank God. I was so grateful because I mean, you guys will have seen or heard on this show before how much i hate the snow so i was extremely like thankful to have missed that but i don't know i feel like going away is kind of like it's a double-edged sword like <clears throat> on the one hand it's fantastic that i missed it and i got to experience the sun for the first time in like six months but then on the other hand it's like it feels so much worse when you come back yeah, well, I don't want to hear any complaining, and I'm also putting my foot down because I've literally realised, well, I've, I've been known, that literally every single episode, all we start with is just moaning about the weather. I know, sorry guys, sorry. But, to moan about something else, <laughs> thought we'd start off with, obviously, you may have noticed we're missing a member, Simran. We're a man down. Reason being, she was meant to be here, she's been called to work duties now this spurred me on to think you know what this is a good time just to discuss the topic of working outside designated hours and all and or working extra that sort of thing and um, ju- just as a I bit can't of a, partake in this conversation no you can't i'm just a disclaimer we're doing this purely of our own accord. Simran doesn't even know that we're doing this. She's just said, oh, I can't come to the recording because I've got to go on this last minute call. Um, and that spurred me on to think, right, let's talk about like working outside of designated hours. Now, Halima, why do you feel like you can't speak on this? Okay, I'm lying. I have worked out of designated work hours a couple of times. You know, at the start of a client engagement where it's very busy, things are things are very up in the air. You've got a lot to get done. But generally, outside of that, can't relate. People who listen to our show, I am notoriously work smart, not hard gang. Yeah. I am notoriously don't believe in hard work gang. Do you think in circumstances where it's unavoidable, is it ever justified to work outside of your set hours? Or do you think it's dependent on the actual job itself? I think for me, okay, I don't know. I don't think I'm like a good person really to ask about this because like I've been having a lot of conversations with a lot of people in my life recently and I think I've come to a realisation where, okay, once again, people listening to this show will know I just, I'm not, I'm really a, uh, I'm very work shy. I just don't believe in hard work. I just don't do hard work. However, um, I've realised like, like I think because of my ADHD, I also like genuinely just cannot like actually cannot do work that I'm not passionate about that I just I don't care about and I cannot do work that I don't see the purpose of right like if something does not have a bigger purpose to me I can't I just whatever I do I cannot bring myself to do it like seriously I find it then very because I obviously I'm in a like big boy like corporate job right now 
I find it extremely difficult to invest because I just sit there and I think, what is the point of this PowerPoint? What is the point of this spreadsheet? Reminded me of those memes. It was like me and my silly little PowerPoint. My no, silly seri- little spreadsheet. It's very, very silly. And I can't see the point of it. And that's why like, I personally really genuinely struggle. And to the point where like, it's debilitating. To the point where like, I just, I don't do it. You know? Or like, I do the absolute bare minimum to not get fired. But even then, I think I've come to a point where I'm like... I mean, I've spoken a little bit about my travel plans. Like, I think I, I think at this point, like, I... I, I I think I do have to just leave, to be honest, because I can't, like... A lot of people in life are very, kind of... Don't necessarily have, like, very strong passions, I feel like, you know? Or, like, the way capitalism is set up, like, people don't have space to explore their passions. So a lot of people just, kind of, resign themselves to this, you know, idea of life where you, you know, you go, you get your education, if you do get an education, and then you just work you work for the rest of your life and your work doesn't necessarily have to be something that you're passionate about um you just do it because you need to earn a living and there's nothing and nothing else that you could feasibly do that will make you help you earn that living you know so a lot of people resign themselves and 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 i guess like a, a neurotypical brain like you're able to just do that work whereas i just i'm not so obviously you're talking about going on your travels and whatnot and obviously, presumably, the plan is to save up enough and then do that. But it's just a shame because it's like, I mean, I mean, I say a shame, but I think otherwise everyone would just go and do that and no, nothing would ever get done. But you are obviously going to be limited in how long you can do that for because you're going to get to a stage where, well, I can't continue traveling because I don't have any money. Yeah, I run out of money. I know. Um I mean, that's not kind of when I when I talk about my living. That's not what I want to do for a living. Um, I have other areas of interest and passion. I don't think I've spoken to you about it yet. Maybe I, maybe next time I see you. But um. Oh, is it on the? Is it not for radio talk? Yeah, not for radio talk. Um, it first, guys, Halim and the Shears starting and OnlyFans. <laughs> I wish. I wish because the money that you can make on OnlyFans, Allah, you better see me at the pearly gates. It's honestly a regular conversation that me and Mayanka have, like starting an OnlyFans. No, no, yeah, but not, not, not like us together. But her, she's like, can I not just do it? Like, got a wedding coming up. I'm not gonna lie, the thought has crossed my mind. Not that she needs to ask my permission, but obviously, when you're in a partnership, it is something to discuss. But the money that you can make from OnlyFans, if she actually doesn't have any hang up doing it, you should just, she should just do it. For the sake of any um, prospective career, um, career prospects. This is a joke. Future, this is spoken in satire. <laughs> yeah, we're joking. Yeah. Hiya, Mianka, we're joking. But, um, like, you know, the, pe- the, the people really make, there's really a way to capitalise on, like, people's perversions in this world there's this one woman who literally became a millionaire bought a mansion drives a ferrari the money that she got from selling farts in a jar didn't she get ill from that though that that was someone else must have been someone else because there's more than one person that did it but how how there's people who make bank selling dirty underpants i don't feet pics you actually don't even have to have any identifiable features feet you can sell photos of your feet and get rich 
It does confuse me a bit, though. Like, I don't actually see why people actually engage. I love how we've gone on a tangent of actually just discussing the logistics of OnlyFans right now. OnlyFans, yeah. But but it doesn't... I don't really get it because I get that the whole idea of it is that you have a more personalised experience. However, when there's so much out there that you can get readily... Pain. Listen, people, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but people, people just, they're tantalized by what they see and, and they, uh, listen, people really have some, some strong impulses in this life. People really have strong impulses in this life, you know, that's, let's just leave it at that. Anyway, I've forgotten, how do we get onto OnlyFans, like... Talking about working outside of office hours or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, this being said, I think what I'm asking you now is not more like, can you do it? But it's more like putting your own personal stance on it and ability to do it aside. Should it be socially accepted that it's sometimes required that you do work beyond certain hours or work a bit extra, that sort of thing. Oh, oh, you know what I'm going to say. Unless it's, like, your own business or something that, like, you're genuinely, you know, passionate about, something that is for the benefit of other people, not just, you know, big, bad corporate world, then, yeah, of course, that's at your own discretion. I mean, everything's at your own discretion anyway, but... You know, these corporate jobs that make people, like, like, really turn themselves inside out doing these jobs, like, no, not about it. If if it then comes into play that, yes, you might be required to do extra work, but you're then, you're always paid for it, does that make it any better? Or But then I've, I'm thinking in my head, like, is that not risking falling into a cycle of you're always just going to do extra work and you're actually going to end up tiring yourself out for the sake of getting more money? Do you know what I mean? It's true, like, there needs to be some kind of regulation, you know? Like, because a lot of people, a lot of employers do that. They they rely on the fact that, like, if you're, if you're paying someone well enough in the first instance, people are going to feel less inclined to want to do overtime. A lot of employers, employers, <laughs> employers rely on the fact that their employees are underpaid and therefore will want excessive amounts of overtime. I don't know. The whole system is just... Prayers up for... Simran. Yeah, and again, to clarify, we haven't actually told her that we're discussing this. I was just like, oh, she's having to work extra. Let's discuss their morality, etc. behind that. So, if, if her employers are listening, she has no part in this. But, but <laughs> Carlos, it's so funny the way you cover bases. I'm concerned. I don't, wa- I don't want Simran to be working outside of her hours and then get in trouble for it on our account. Mm. Fair, you're a very thoughtful person. Fair yeah. If you're just tuning in, welcome. This is Mango Masala, the South Asian show. And it's time to get into our Agony Auntie segment of today's episode. So for those of you that don't know, this segment is basically based on real life problems, confessions that you lot sent in a couple of months ago. And we've took our precious time to sit down, read these confessions, and give you our expert advice. So, um, without any further ado, let's get into this week's. I have IBS due to eating cheese, but I can't give up dairy and it's been hard. Any tips? That sounds like my sister. Sounds like me. 
First off, I don't think we should be laughing at someone's... I can okay, laugh I'm not going through it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. My sister has IBS, yeah? And we used to bully her so much, but it's actually... You know she could get a disabled badge? Yeah. Because IBS is actually Because it's linked mad. to like Crohn's disease and like it's stuff. Insane. I don't know what the bag is called, but the bag. The yeah, colonos, that's Crohn's. Yeah. It's actually mad because you'll really be shitting yourself anyway, you know? Anyhow, anywhere. Are we to think that this is worth resolving with medication whatnot go to the doctor i no 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 because there's some people who do take medication not dairy i think all this person pray it away meditation one hour every morning healthy mind healthy body you'll be fine you all the paneer you want other kali if you if you want if you want yeah definitely and what if i did so meditate go to the doctors and then go to the doctors yeah i know there's like medication that people take but i also know like they're sometimes not that helpful Uh -uh. i don't actually know what the it's like like diet is really it's it's, honestly if it's chronic it's bad but But with diet changing your diet for it is that you end up so intolerant to that food that you yeah. like eliminate it out that when you do say you eat by accident or you go out and you just think Fuck it like i just want to enjoy my life man you have it it will ruin you i think a lot of it is just like healthy lifestyle because i know like stress is a massive yeah stress and anxiety are ibs triggers um so try to reduce your stress try to reduce your anxiety as though that's easy but you know what i mean um meditation to be fair, it wasn't a bad suggestion. Mm. Like, Simple. go to doctors, control. It's, it's with this generation. Though, like, why don't you try, like, vegan no, cheese and stuff what? like that? Because that's not dairy. No, but I just feel like I don't like having to, like, eliminate. I feel like you should be able to try, try and eat at least, like, everything. Because then if you end up going out or whatever, then you're screwed. You end up getting so sick. Yeah. And I just... There's a big mental element to things like IBS and stuff because I feel like it makes internally you feel so crap. Like you feel sick all the time. You feel bloated. You feel like unwell constantly. Like I do sympathize a lot. I feel like it's really frustrating. On a serious note, do we think that the solution here is to try and eliminate more things? That's what I'm trying to like, say. Like or, I feel or, like or trying to it... eliminate more is not good. Yeah, but I'm saying like also like, I'm also like, so is our sole aim here to make it so that they can continue eating cheese? Or should we just be, or, know, or is this, or is this like, question more like, how do I give up my addiction? Try what hypnotherapy. God, I can't give up dairy. It's been hard. So they don't want to. I have IBS due to eating cheese, but I can't give it up. It's been hard. So they don't want to, but it's causing them the issue. Yeah. So I would say like, maybe just try like two weeks and if all your problems go away, then maybe yeah, cheese is not worth it. I do agree with what Halima said about the vegan option. Like vegan Yeah, there are cheese, so many like, like options now compared to like what, five, 10 years ago, there's oat milk everywhere, vegan cheese, vegan, whatever. But I just think end up giving yourself more intolerances the more you it's balance basically like i think first and foremost you have to go into like a bit of a cleanse a bit of a detox like just clear your ibs first and then just just eat it like just have have like a low low level presence of no because this is what i did i gave myself lactose intolerance at the beginning of uni because i stopped eating cheese and only bought milk alternatives and then by the time it was like the end of second year, anything with dairy was screwing me over. Because, you know, I'm not going to lie. Basically, all humans are supposed to be lactose intolerant because we're not supposed to be dairy eating. 
So yeah, I think that's why I did it, and I was like, no, no, oat milk yeah, all the way. We're actually not but then supposed I, to. But then it was getting me so sick whenever I'd like go out. What you, if you eat out, it's dairy and everything. I think you know what you have to trial loads of things. At first, okay, ideally it would be a case where you have dairy and it's just a controlled amount to the point where it doesn't flare up your symptoms. So maybe try like significantly because I'm guessing this person, if they're struggling to give it up, they must eat dairy a lot. So I would say firstly, like significantly reduce and have it in a amount where it's it's satisfactory to you. But as I say, it doesn't trigger you any flare ups. And if that doesn't work, then I'm sorry, you are just going to have to consider yeah. like giving it up forever. No, but it's what I was trying to say. Basically, I microdose dairy back into my diet. So I was saying to you guys yesterday, yeah. that, like I would literally have coffees with half a splash of oat milk, half a splash of dairy milk and just slowly increase it up till like now two three years on it doesn't affect me yeah I i'm think not I, an expert on gut health yeah i know i think try i think try that i think try like seeing how di- varying like amounts of dairy impact your diet and if nothing helps then my guy just cut it out and have vegan alternatives yeah. and meditate meditate and that rounds off this week's agony anti segment remember that you can catch new videos of such every wednesday on our socials and new audio of such every week on the show yes guys what's good you're tuned into mango masala pie radio south asian show my name's gerns i'm here with halima hey guys and it was the oscars last week last weekend last week <sighs> i'm so out of the loop you guys yeah. like, i didn't even know i didn't even know I don't even know. I I always lose track of what day it is because I come on, obviously we go on radio on Saturdays, which then means that my weekend doesn't necessarily feel like as much of a weekend because I'm always doing something on the weekend. And then obviously I'm freelance, so sometimes I'm working days in the week, sometimes I'm not, that sort of thing. So I just completely, I don't, it's a good thing that I don't get the Monday morning feeling, but it's a bad thing because I'm literally just constantly. Have no sense of time. Uh, I am the same and not even because I'm freelance, but because I am unserious. I'm really, I, the way I just, I'm just floating through life. Bobbing along. I am. I think it's the best way to be, to be honest. But anyway, back to the topic at hand, Oscars. Which is weird because it makes you think it's been a whole year since the whole Will Smith, um, Chris Rock. Oh my God. Um, If you haven't already checked out our chat, we spoke about that last year and we had Halima talking about how some people sometimes, in her opinion, deserve to be slapped. (laughs) Much to my horror. That's so (laughs) funny. That is such an iconic clip. Like I send people that all the time. Yeah, definitely go check that out. But yeah, no, it's weird. Like... And it's also weird to think that happened at the Oscars. Do you know what I mean? Because I think I realised this year, like, how much of a big thing the Oscars is. And, like, the fact that something like that happened at it really reinforced in my head, like, wow, that was a very historic moment. A very brave thing for Will Smith to do. Brave, silly, um, Uh, violent, violent. It's up to your own public discretion. But it was the Oscars. And history was made. RRR, which is a South Asian film, won Best Original Song for Natu Natu. Yeah, obviously, everyone's very happy about that. It's South Asian representation. It's a big footstep forward. It means that other films can follow in its footsteps. However, for a number of reasons, um, people have been saying it's not 
a total win. Because of the Oscar performance. Yeah, well, so we'll get on to the performance in a second, but first of all, just in regards to the actual talking about this win in itself, I think, I'm not sure whether it was as part of the actual, um, as part of the actual ceremony or whether it was in reference to it afterwards, but I know, obviously, Jimmy Kimmel, who was presenting the Oscars, he referred to it as a Bollywood film. Oh, is it? Right. Yeah, and obviously the film itself is um, Tollywood. It's a South Indian film. It's a, it's a decisively South which Indian film. Which has its own sector. Bollywood very much refers to central slash North Indian cinema. So Bollywood, okay, so for those those of you who don't know, Bollywood stands for... So you know like how the film industry is based on where the location of the industry is? So Bollywood is because it was Bombay. You know, like Nollywood is Nigeria... Dollywood is Dacha. Um, and Bom- Bollywood was because it, the central kind of location is Bombay. And it is a very, very North Indian focused um, industry. And for those of you who aren't very aware of kind of like Indian culture, generally, there is very much a kind of like distinct difference. So so India, I don't know, this is a diff- difficulty with kind of like um, homogenizing something that is only was only made a country by the Brits like beforehand obviously the different regions of India were so vast and varied and there's so many regional differences between them like you can have the north of India then you can have the south of India then you can have the northeast of India and all three places are not only different in culture they're racially different like all the people from these three different areas of India which is one country they're even different races that's how diverse somewhere like India is. And in terms of like North and South, there is a very, very distinct kind of like, um, I don't want to say divide, but a very, very distinct difference between Northern Indian and Southern Indian culture. And it is one where in all of India, there is very much a Northern Indian supremacy and hegemony. Um, and South Indians have um, historically and, and even like present day have been very kind of like discriminated against and very marginalized and very kind of like um, dismissed and disregarded on the global stage when it comes to kind of um, cultural representations of India. I feel like we can probably guess why that is. Yeah, so. exactly. And so, yeah, so so they are racially very different. So um, North Indian people ethnically, like racially, are Indo-Aryan and then South Indian people are Dravidian. Um, so racially, they are much different. They are kind of a lot darker um, in, in their features. Um so obviously there is a whole kind of colorist issue um, based on all of that. But in any case, like, you know, South India has has always... When we think of the global cultural representation of North India, really what we... When we think of the global cultural representation of India, really what we're thinking about is North India. Um, not very many people actually know much about South Asian, South Indian culture, you know, cuisine and the film industry. And RRR was a, you know... A, a South Indian, a, a triumph for South Indian cinema, which in the more recent years has been kind of really, really growing in popularity and prominence um, and really kind of competing, contending with Bollywood for the first time, you know, since its existence. So it was very significant that the first Indian film wasn't just the first Indian film at the Oscars. It was the first South, it was South in, South Indian, in fact. Um, so to have that completely written over as a Bollywood film, 
um, I can I can imagine w- would have been extremely extremely upsetting um, for South Indians, specifically te- Telugu people. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally thinking now about um, Bollywood in general and the tones um, of the films and just massive whitewashing. You basically can't be a leading character in Bollywood if your skin is a certain darker shade and the only way in which you're really able to be a main or supporting character in the films is it is quite often I think the way when I think of I think um, his name is Johnny Lever um I think he's yeah. like the main like person I think of and he's just always like the idiot do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely one of them. But it's it, it's kind of, a, I think it's it's a it's a bit more, a bit more than that. So either so obviously like Bollywood is a very very interesting, a very accurate and a very educational mirror of Indian, specifically North Indian society and culture. And obviously India has a huge colorism problem, and that is therefore reflected greatly in 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 Bollywood and. Um, there's a huge colorist issue. Um, artists are more time kind of very light skinned, and if they're not, if they're medium toned, or even if they're dark skinned, that's always written into. That's always, always, always written into. Like, it's literally like one thing I always think about is um, Rani Mukherjee, who is not exactly fair. Like, she's she's what you call like medium tone. In um, the film which said they like they made that song San Valisi that one. Um I mean I love the song, it's a great song, but it's literally it's, it's called like oh the girl with like the wheatest wheat-ish complexion. So like you know, even her in her moment of kind of being uh, you know, this romantic interest and whatever, like her skin tone has to be written into. You know, so as to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's not an elephant in the room. We know she's not light skinned, but she's really, she's still really beautiful. You know, it's this whole kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, I, 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 I would be very upset if I was South Indian and my kind of film industry got conflated with Bollywood. Yeah, for sure. And then, like you said as well, like I mean, that's literally we just spoken for like over five minutes about how that in itself is come off in a negative way and then you have the actual performance itself um which a lot of a right. lot of people aren't very happy with given um i think the original um stars of the movie or dancers were actually meant to appear and then couldn't um so the people that they cast instead including the backing dancers as well um were majority if not all just not south asian in any capacity which yeah obviously yeah i mean which is also a bit sad um because there's definitely like bro south asians love to dance how many dance like companies are out there that you really could have like um gotten dancers from it's not like there was a shortage it's, it, really all you had to do was look i could have even have gone on google and found typed in south asian dance groups south indian dance groups in in where is it set la i would have found bear mm. bear i would have found bears it's not it's not difficult um they did it, obviously i'm guessing they had those dancers at hand whatever they just hired them from a dance company but the whole point of rrr you know the first indian film winning the oscar and also that you know that performance was it was so distinct 
distinctly unapologetically a South Indian win, you know, or a South Asian win or an Indian win, however you want to kind of regionalize it. Um, and, and, and I think that should have followed through in, in, in the kind of the whole, the whole way through, including the, the performance, the live performance. Yeah. I mean, the, the actual choreographers, um, of the Oscars performance, um, were, um, non-South Asian themselves, um, Napoleon and Tabitha Dumo, um, and they have an existing relationship with the Oscars, um, and I think as well, like, what, um, you sent me as a juggernaut article, but they also did a, um, post on Instagram as well, I think people have actually been calling this out uh, by DMing the choreographers themselves, and just the response that they've kind of given to it has been... Oh, they have responded, have they? Well, so The Juggernaut, which is a um, publication that focuses on global South Asian um, stories, um, they've done an article on this, and as part of promoting that, they've done an Instagram post, which is what Halima sent to me when she said, oh, we should discuss this. Um, and having looked at that, um, they've put as part of the, their post... Um, I think people have actually messaged the choreographers expressing their distaste with it and the the way that they've replied back hasn't been the best. So, um what could you possibly have to say to defend yourself? Um just trying to summarize it. Um our first choice was to find South Asian and Indian dancers. They needed to be local to LA. Um be free the following week. I'll go on Google right yeah. now and I'll find I'll find who you should have who you should have hired. Come on, it's lazy excuses. We needed to cast so in a day or two were... at most. They needed to dance at a level that we know works in a fast-paced TV world. We only had two rehearsal days with many changes quickly. This is why we generally chose to um, have people we've worked with previously. The worst thing would be to hire dancers that couldn't accomplish this very difficult feat and then let down the films team, the Oscars, and the Tollywood fans all around the world. God. Yeah, people that specialise in Indian dance are less capable of Indian dance than people who who don't specialise in Indian dance. Yeah, great, great yeah. excuse. That makes a lot of sense. The thing is as well, like someone... Um, this looks like it's a Facebook message. Um, someone reached out saying, this is the first time in America South Asians feel, feel seen in entertainment and the little slice they've been given is being chipped away. And they replied to that saying, and the first thing you do is complain. Ha ha ha. They told someone, be happy with what you yeah, got. basically. Don't kill me. Yeah. Don't kill me. Swear down. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't realize the Oscars was belong to your dad for you to dictate what people should and shouldn't be happy with. <sighs> Jokers. Yeah, I mean this. This is the what literally what you've just said, right? It's like this is a massive achievement in some senses, but we always have to remember that, like, it's never a complete yeah. win, is it? Like, there's always there's always something which is like, oh, for God's sake, that reminds you of just how problematic these things are. Like, yeah, it's always something. And it's always the people that are probably most problematic that say to you kind of be happy with what you've got sort of thing. And if they really cared, then they would like, I'm actually quite shocked at these screenshots as to how defensive 
these choreographers are actually coming across in my opinion like i just yeah it's so much better it's so much better to just put your hands up and be like i yeah you know, it was an oversight for us. We didn't consider how culturally significant it was and therefore kind of like how people would have wanted this to be executed. Put our hands up, that's it, done. Yeah. In, like, I just feel like this is something, it is something to be celebrated, but I think it shouldn't be, it, it, we shouldn't forget this and it, it shouldn't be let go of. Like, yeah, it's not great. But in positive news, we had AP Dylan um repping the main stage at the juno yeah. juno music awards introduced by avril lavigne that was such a weird like crossover like i was just like but i think it's, they're both canadian though isn't yeah it? Like, yeah no so obvi- obviously that's why like- but like at the same time like i was just like you've got avril lavigne literally 2002 um icon and ap dylan it's like your two worlds colliding yeah. in it like it's just a bizarre mix-up yeah but no i'm i'm very like happy that he is succeeding and i know that you are too yeah. obviously we've spoken before about he he was literally your only only consideration for every suggestion for the <laughs> i'm a massive ap dylan fan like i i love him i think he is fantastic i think his music is groundbreaking I love him and he's just consistent. Mm. I think his music has great longevity. Everything he makes is like classic banger. I just love him. Don't get me started. Seeing his performance as well, I was actually like, you know what? He is actually very good looking as well. <laughs> like he's and he's gorgeous. Yeah. He is. He is. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I would say make sure we give AP Dylan his flowers, but I feel like he's got enough bouquets already, so we can literally... <laughs> At this yeah, point, yeah. We'll move on. But I love that for him. He deserves. Yeah. He deserves. But, yeah, rounding up on the Oscars conversation, it's great. History is made, but not everything is black and white. Just because something has positive elements no. doesn't mean that there's... Not a load of negatives as well that that we can't scrutinize. Yeah, hold people but... accountable where necessary. I agree. Yes, guys, what's good? You tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name's Gerns. I'm here with Halima. Hey guys. There's always a delay, and I never know whether it's like a delay in the connection or whether it's just because you literally lost attention and you're just focusing on something else. I think it's the it's, latter. It's yeah. Sorry. It's literally my. I can't. I can't concentrate. I mean, we've been knew this. We've been knew this. You know, I went. I went to a pottery thing yesterday. It was very. It was very fun. Uh, like an open air <clears throat> clay making thing, and um, it, <clears throat> it's two hours, and you sit there and you like build something out of clay, and obviously you, it takes a lot of concentration, a lot of precision, a lot of patience to build something and i'm not a builder i'm not creative at all i've never used my hands to build something and i literally got to about an hour in and i and i was just very much like okay i'm gonna take the rest home because my concentration is gone the quota my concentration quota for the day to sit for an hour and work with this clay i'm done out i'm, I'm spent so what did you finish it at home or is it still <clears throat> no it's just a big ball of clay right now I mean, I'll finish it at some point, but that's my po- the point I'm making is, yes, I'm notoriously not a concentration girl. Well, why don't you 
try and exercise that now then because I know that you actually wanted to discuss something today um, relating to um, an incident in London. Bad Vibes Island or no? 100. Okay, hit the tune. Bad Vibes Island. Any listeners, you can decide which version you prefer. I, I'm oh, not going to comment. Oh, shut up. Going into serious mode, because obviously this is a quite a serious thing, and also yeah, bearing in mind serious. that there has been a criminal investigation launched into this, so we can't necessarily delve into the too much specifics, but yeah, yeah break it down, Halima. Um, so basically, um, on the 5th of March, a fire broke out in a East London flat. It's a two-bedroom flat. In which 18 people were living. Um, Numerous people were injured. Everybody lost everything. Um, And one person, um, his name was Mizanur Rahman, lost his life. Um, He he died, unfortunately. He passed away in in this fire. Um, And it's, I mean, already from the beginning when I'm saying East London and I'm saying 18 people in a two-bed flat you can kind of see where this is going so it was there were i think they were all bangladeshi uh, migrant workers there were um uh careers like careers you know um <clears throat> delivery people um and <clears throat> they were literally there were reports of them sleeping on the kitchen sleeping in the passageway in the hallway 18 people in a two-bed flat guys like that's that's really what we're talking about here um and they had made complaints before to the landlord and the housing authority. Um, nothing was done. Yeah, so obviously it was they had made complaints before about the conditions. So, so the landlord, etc., they were aware. To we, from what we're aware of, they were aware that there were eighteen people living there. No, it's not just that he was the landlord. So it's a privately, uh, it's a private leaseholder, private landlord. Um, not only was he aware that there's 18 people living there, he literally took money from each of those people. So these these people are literally sharing a a um, two bed flat. Meanwhile, the landlord is accruing about eight thousand pounds in rent a month. He's accruing eight thousand pounds a month by getting 18 people to sleep in a two-bed house. Yeah, so it's not even like he's charging the normal rate for a two-bedroom flat, even in no. London. He's charging, and he's, he's not splitting that between 18 people, which mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. then would be wrong, but he, he's, from what we understand, he's literally charging, what is that, 8,000 divided by 18? How much is that? Per all cash in hand, all cash in hand. Mm. Um, you know, there was reports bathroom not working. He wouldn't do anything about it. Um, people were literally rotating their sleep places like every single night, four or more in one room or the passageway floor or even the kitchen floor. There was mold everywhere. There's faulty electrics, faulty plumbing, constant noise, nowhere to pray or even wash your laundry. So, I mean, I don't need to guy. I don't need to tell you guys, you can imagine what the conditions must be like for 18 people to live in one two-bed flat um and it's absolutely abhorrent there is obviously this this moral issue anyway with like landlords and how exploitative they are um but this is i really believe like a very very kind of this is an extreme kind of a level of cruelty to have 18 people live in a two-bed flat where you know that the whole flat is broke up 
you know, the whole flat is broke up. And unfortunately, it, like that, it was really tested when this fire broke out. And and I don't, I think, I, I don't know if they've said yet, like why or how the fire broke out. But there's no chance of, of kind of... Um, any resilience against that kind of fire when you're living in a place as broke up as that and it's really sad because these are migrant workers and they're literally exploited at work and now they're exploited in their home as well like your home is supposed to be your safe space a home is a right it's a human right it's not by the way like it's not um it's not something that you know they it's not a personal failure that these people were having to live in 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 a, in a place like this having a safe uncomfortable home is everybody's human right especially in a country like the uk which is one of the richest countries in the world they had absolutely no like legal protection um even when they had reported it um didn't go anywhere and unfortunately now someone has died yeah and the thinking is if this is if the fire has occurred following um conditions which were being made aware of to the relevant people the housing authority as well there was a complaint to the housing authority this death was ultimately preventable i, I don't know how you sleep at night earning eight thousand pounds a month and you're keeping 18 people in a two-bed flat with 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 awful unlivable conditions i don't know like how you can close your eyes at night and you're really calm to just go to sleep and then the housing authorities as well, like they're not taking them, they're not taking them seriously because they are migrant workers. Like they just, there is some element of it where the state kind of just believes that, yeah, these people should, they just deserve to be sleeping like this, to be living like this. And it's really sad because it's in Tower Hamlets, which is obviously like a, like, you know, Bangladeshi majority um, demographic. And this is an issue that actually goes way back. Like, Tower Hamlets is a very, very political place. It's a a site of great political activity, you know, anti-fascist movements, anti-racism movements, labour movements, um, all of which Bangladeshis were really at the forefront of. And and a part of those movements... um, was 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 housing movements um bangladeshis literally when they were coming to the to the uk on mass you know 50s 60s 70s 80s there were th- th- this was an issue that they were facing where they were really struggling to get housing people would people began squatting bangladeshis began squatting in places in tower hamlets um they they weren't they weren't getting adequate housing they were living in similar unlivable conditions you know so this is it's very upsetting for me as a Bangladeshi to hear a story like this because it's kind of like wow it's literally decades into kind of since when the the, the diaspora has been created especially in a place like Tower Hamlets and they're dealing with exactly the same issues in exactly the same way that the people who first came to this country were dealing with it's it's like really nothing has changed you know, and, and and it makes you feel as though like the state and 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 Britain just believes that this is how these people are just supposed to live. You know that that things aren't supposed to get better for them. Instead, we're focusing on illegal migration bills, which focus on um, telling people that they won't have any case in regards to modern slavery law if they come here illegally you know and that's really like all you're doing is opening people up to exploitation we've seen in this instance how exploitation can literally lead to death 
these these people these migrant workers are obviously exploited at work if they can't afford to have their own housing or anything like that they're literally having to to share this two-bed flat between 18 of them um and now they're exploited by the landlord um and now imagine if if the state takes all protective rights away from from migrant workers or migrants or refugees or asylum seekers in general can you imagine what would happen you know this is just a very like um like a very foreshadowing event so i mean in terms of what people can do i mean if you search about this maddock house fire i'm sure there's plenty of resources online in terms of how you can support in terms of getting justice for the victim and victims Uh, one person has died but obviously there are multiple people who are now homeless and have been victim of these um poor housing conditions so yeah and also i just want people to be super 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 aware of like this is very much a real life consequence of um, the way that migrant workers are demonized and dehumanized. Like oftentimes when we, this country is obsessed with conversations about immigrants. It's obsessed with immigrants. It's obsessed with demonizing them and dehumanizing them, as I've said, and they don't think about the other end of it. They don't think about at the other end of it, there's this demographic of people who are really struggling, whose lives are exploited, whose lives have a very, very close proximity to to death. And this is what happens. So I just want people to be aware that these conversations and this rhetoric and this dialogue is not an abstraction. It has real life consequences that are fatal to real life people. There are there are resources. I know Nijor Manush in um, uh, on Instagram. They're like a Bangladeshi uh, social rights group. N i double j o r m a n u s h. They have like GoFundMe and and like um, ways and 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 methods to help. So I definitely recommend. Well, thank you to everyone that has tuned in to today's episode of mango masala um alima say something positive to bring up the mood we're gonna wrap a bit lift the mood a little though that that's positive um sorry i just had a bit of a um yeah go on yeah um you haven't been watching love island have you no but i know what you're gonna say exactly i'm very very happy with who won love island in my opinion um and spoiler alert if you haven't already watched by now what are you doing because it's been like a week but um kai and sanam winners of love island kai obviously manchester um representation from sale down the road oh is Uh, it he's from sale yeah which is he's had like literally one of the best um what's it called yeah literally i've heard yeah literally he was in the bottom three all the time at the beginning and turned himself around Sanam is Sanam obviously yeah she's great she's <laughs> Mianka calls her the people's princess it's <laughs> here I've she not is. watched it I've not watched it this no, year she is, and it's just it's just been great because they've won it South Asian um, representation as well she's Indo Trinidadian but obviously yeah, South yeah. diaspora yeah they, they and they've won it with they've haven't had any kind of drama and the whole time like other couples are kind of been like oh yeah they haven't really had like a test and it's just a bit like you don't when need it's to right have, you don't yeah. need to be tested it's you don't need to, ridiculous yeah you don't need to snog someone else or have a fight in order to like to know that you be, love someone in it yeah exactly um 
And I obviously as well, I think they're the first couple of colour to win Love Island, I want to say. They are. Yeah, they are. there's so. obviously Amber, um, but she yeah. won I mean, the white I mean, man. Bo- both of them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. I've been very happy and I Love hope that, that they do stay together and have a happy life because... I hope that they get that brand money. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Like, we spoke about... Um, me and Simran did when Love Island first started about how they've made these rules where you um, can't um, once you're in the villa you have to like freeze your socials so like no, they normally obviously your friend or your um, family. Oh was that, is that what the case yeah, was? Yes so your you? friend or your family would normally take over your socials and do it to garner support for you that sort of thing but everyone Let's see if it's changed now. Yeah, Everyone had to like do their um freeze the socials which means that um like the the follow increase for islanders this year has been just rubbish compared to previous so like it's barely increased like i think i imagine like kai and sanam's following has probably gone up quite a bit now but i know like in the final couple of weeks sanam was only on like 50k followers which when you think about yeah, so obviously it's grown exponentially now that she's won it, but it's just still not as as much as she should be on. Yeah, I she's mean, la- bloody beautiful, yeah. isn't she? Yeah, I mean, last year, um, Ekansu reached one million followers whilst in on the, the villa, show, which yeah. I think kind of shows like they should have been given that chance. Yeah, and I mean, their defense, the the producers say that it's to preserve their mental health, but I don't get it because surely people are going to chat about them regardless you know yeah, all, all they, and just... the only thing that can mitigate that is getting the bag in the process yeah so they exactly really have been given that opportunity and everyone if people want to comment they're just going to comment on like literally the last picture that they posted before they go in anyway so i don't know um but aside from all that for them. yeah very happy for them hope that they um live a nice happy Stay life together. together yeah but Aww. Yeah, positive end to the show. Thank you to everyone that's tuned into Manga Masala today. Make sure you tune in every week, two to four PM on Pi Radio, to a new episode. And yeah, we'll see you same time next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.